Hello, Henrietta. How are you? Hi, I'm here. We're here for our second installment of The Conversation with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. We're thrilled to be back. <laughs> we have some good topics coming up. We I'm do, yes, we do, yes, down. we do. And I have to tell you, Henrietta, this particular subject is very near and dear to me to the extent that part of my job description is to identify and track those influential and those trend-setting tribes wherever they may reside on the planet and understand how their trend-setting is going to play out and how it's going to influence other communities and other cultures. And our conversation uh, this week is along those lines. And I will dive right into that subject. And that being these hip hop artists out there, Henrietta, that I feel, particularly we're talking about the males here, who have, I feel, been setting the trends in menswear certifiably for at least the last couple years. And we're talking about really the last two to four years. And we'll break down some of the personalities, but there are a host of them. Everyone from Aesop Rocky to, of course, Kanye West and the Pharrells and all those players of the world, but the new ones as well, Migos and little Uzi Vert, as they call. But yes, essentially, Henrietta, there are these incredible personalities that I have to tell you, I live on the edge of menswear dressing. I push the envelope, I'll wear high heels, I'll wear dresses, I'll wear the most challenging things. And I've been doing so for the last 25 years. And I don't really look in my rearview mirror at all about what other men are doing. I trust my instinct. I know that I'm in a lane of my own. But I have to tell you, from what I'm seeing these days from some of these players, they have my head turning. I'm surprised at a lot of the choices that they made. I didn't realize that they had caught up and in some instances have moved ahead of other, let's say, credible style mavens on the planet. I've been really impressed, in short, with these hip-hop artists and their embrace of high-end fashions. Yeah, I would agree. I would argue that hip-hop as a culture has always been doing that. Though realistically, if you really track from its inception, it's like hip-hop has always been that trailblazer. It's always been that kind of culture that many people have tried to co-opt in. And I think what we're seeing now is that there is a level of ownership, which is undeniable. So it's almost like everyone else has caught up to speed, which is quite nice. I think that now, particularly with social media, I think with not even a new, let's say, a refreshed perspective on masculinity, I think the rise in social media, I think the brands and fashion itself having a lot less power than it did beforehand. I think that all of those things are really shaping this narrative that you're talking about, which I think is really awesome, as well as just the rise in menswear, like the way that men are shopping. I think really interesting designers coming up as well, all adding to that kind of tapestry of what we're seeing today and how they're telling those stories. So yeah, I'm excited and I love what I'm seeing at the moment. I love that a lot of the artists that we're seeing and a lot of the sports stars are like really pushing their sartorial choices in a way that 
is really kind of other, really other than the ways we've seen traditionally. Absolutely. And I want to go back to the point that you made about the historical influence of the hip-hop culture and community. Yes, I lived through those 90s years when uh, the Puffies and the Biggies and let's throw in a little female here, the Little Kims of the world were patronizing Versace and those brands were turning up in the lyrics of the music and so on and so forth. Yes, those influences have been there. But in that era, it was surely more fringe Let's say it was appropriated from that community. Them sort of giving it that fabulousness, them singing about it in the way that they did, that gave it a certain announcement. And you use the word ownership as well to talk about this era. Yes, there's a certain ownership. They're not just singing about these things. They're actually wearing these things in highly creative ways and therefore becoming really the image. You know, before, let's be honest, back in the 90s, there were no brands that were really, yeah, of course, you know, Donatella and Gianni didn't mind that these artists were mentioning the brand was shining Well, the them brands were really providing the platform into the mainstream. So a lot of the mainstream referenced major moments in hip-hop as being synonymous with brands like Adidas. You had the chains, the Kangol hats in the 70s and the 80s, so much so that you had people like Damon John being like, hang on a second, and created FUBU, like quite literally for us, by us, paving the way for brands like Sean John to come up. But I digress. We then had like the preppy Hamptons-esque look, which was attributed a lot to like brands like Ralph Lauren and then the tailored Tom Ford suits and so on and so forth. And I just don't think we're seeing that anymore where brands or people are really associating these kind of major fashion moments with specific brands. I think what we're seeing now is like a massive shift to individualism. So a lot of artists and athletes and people that work within other spaces are really kind of amalgamating different references, including those from outside of fashion and more obscure corners of fashion and like just pulling from different parts of culture including things that just themes that are more current like this idea of being kind of non-binary and all of those types of things and the sum of which makes up this kind of artist ecosystem which is way more complex than ever before. I disagree with you. There is a high fashion identity in all of this. These guys, they're coming from the Louis Vuitton lane. They're in the, certainly the Gucci. Gucci sort of really defines, let's say, this category right now. But they're definitely the Balmains of the world. They're definitely uh, purchasing and purveying in these high fashion brands and arguably I would say that they are the face of these kind of brands. Of course, you know, we can include the Kenzos of the world and the Moschinos, like Little Uzi Ver was in the campaign, for example, for Moschino. But yes, I think that they are representative of the high fashion brands. And also, if you look in the GQs of the world, these are the guys that are also modeling and the symbol of these styles from a high fashion level. There's a massive concentration in the kind of high-end fashion. I think tracking back to where it started, it was more about fashion was almost a manifestation of a symbol of wealth, right? Newly acquired wealth. Yes. Now I think it speaks to, which isn't a popular word to say, but now I think it speaks to class, which Mm. as an example, I actually forget what Jay-Z album it is, but the whole idea of I don't pop Molly, I wear Tom Ford, talking about the Basquiat's that he has on his wall. Mm -hmm. It's like he's kind of tweaked the bends and the rims for high art and high fashion. He's kind of uh, talking about rocking Givenchy and all of those things. And so I think that's really what it, it kind of lies in, this idea of having a really great cultural curation, like a great kind of being able to identify yourself as a cultural connoisseur. Like I think it really goes beyond fashion in itself. 
Do you not agree? Well, you're actually going in a direction that I really wasn't thinking about, about this lifestyle curation. I was more in the lane of risk-taking, changing the game. And actually, let's go back to those some of those watershed moments in recent years and the artists that were responsible for them. For example, Kanye West and that Celine, what was it? Not a poncho. The Givenchy it wasn't the, kilt? Leather it was, kilt? Actually, the Givenchy leather kilt was definitely a moment as well, but it was really the Celine tunic. It was the Celine tunic that Kanye West had worn at that time that he got a quite a great deal of flack for at the time because people thought it was effeminate and they didn't really quite understand it. Like, those kind of moves. And then Pharrell. And I will actually credit those two because at least that's what I have paid attention to over the last five years. Those two have been the architects of a lot of this change. They've both been highly associated to the Louis Vuittons and a lot of those uh, top-shelf brands of the world in addition to the Adidas and one of the top shelf brands is Chanel in the case of Pharrell. So these two guys, I feel, have been changing the game in a very significant way, actually responsible for the acceleration of that risk-taking in that community. And now is playing out amongst the next generation now of rap artists where it is so much easier for them to go in and wear those skinny jeans and those shrunken jackets and those heavily decal shirts and so on and so forth forth. Those, I have to say, I'm not a major fan musically of either of those two players, but stylistically, I have noted their influence in this recent mm, times. That's interesting. I would actually probably argue it's the other way around. I'd probably argue that they are very well versed in no. I think they understand where to find the culture, like where to find that zeitgeist in a way that Madonna and the Vogue and, and how she's managed to kind of tap into something that is at the precipice to, or at the underbelly of something and make it a bit more mainstream. Okay. Because I would argue that someone like an ASAP Rocky is someone who, this is innate to him, like he's of a generation or he's at the top end of a generation who are much more free. They're not confining, they're not confining themselves to the labels that we prescribe. They're, everything's non-binary, everything is fluid. And so, and that kind of extends into the subtle choices that are made and the way that they express themselves. And so I would argue actually that it's them looking at the zeitgeist or looking at what's happening and trying and sort of making that their own. I would almost argue that that's where it came from, looking at youth and where they are today. Oh, God, no. Oh, you're giving way, way, way too much credit to youth culture. Youth culture is not creating these alternative lanes on their own. No, youth culture are highly heard um, oriented and they needed a Kanye and a Pharrell to co-sign some of those more challenging, some of those more directional style that has been, the styles that's been embraced into their fashion world currently. No, no. They need examples. And those guys were all too willing and understood, yes, understood the codes of the game, but they needed to have done the things, worn the things that they worn, be in Paris, associated to the designers as they have been. The youth culture really needed to have seen that in order to make the choices that they currently are making, in order to literally kick the door down like they have done now and everything goes. And like an Aesop Rocky, no, he didn't exist in a vacuum. By no means. He was taking cues from his predecessors. I'm not saying he exists in a vacuum. I'm just saying that I think that coming from a more digitally native 
environment like they had access to all of these things that informed their choices i don't think they were looking to their higher up elder statesmen exactly uh-huh. their elder statesmen <laughs> to inform them of these things i think they're already looking i mean i think also if you look at like young designers who are really really pushing the boundaries there's something that feels more innate than trickle down and i think that's also why i kind of get that sense that it really started there or maybe it's a bit more of an even playing field and it was kind of happening simultaneously. But when you look at the Wales Bonners and those types of designers who are really just reshaping the way that men dress or the ideals around men's fashion, it's hard for me to grapple with the idea that that has any sort of trickle-down effect from a Pharrell or from a Kanye. Like, it just feels so, like, of its own. Well, I do think you make a valid point in that the social networking influence was happening simultaneous, and then to see these things in whatever regions of the world with the frequency that that platform allowed for you to see them, yes, I think that it sort of created, maybe not a perfect storm, but it created some sort of storm where it was able to land in the laps of these artists. But I think it's really important, though. I want to just call out some of these names that I have come across my eyes so we can put these things into some context. Gucci Mane, for example. Gucci Mane, I've never seen him not sartorially turned out from head to toe. And I looked down at the shoes. I'm like, wait, are those custom-made shoes with, like, tapestry or whatever the case may be? The sort of, like, embellishments that I see that his garments have unbelievably be turned out. There's Gucci Mane. I mentioned Young Thug before. There's Wale. There's The Two Chains. There's Travis Scott. There's Future. And then, of course, the elder ones, the Pharrells and the French Montanas of the world. And then we can't forget about the Migos. That includes Quavo, Takeoff, and Offset. Those guys, did you see them at the MTV Music Awards? In all of that sartorial assemblage? I was like, wow. So all of these players. So now it seems... That the fashion currency, there's a one get one upmanship when it comes to these players. Fashion currency is such an important element. Look at DJ Khaled, for example. I mean, there's no moss growing under his feet when it comes to style as well. So fashion currency, which as we know, as you elucidated before, has always been important in this community, but even more so. And I think what we're saying is that there has been a bit of a shift in that they're not only consuming the garments, they are the face of these garments and these brands and this directional dressing. That is what's happening in this age that I find it really exciting and obviously is trickling down to the streets, let's say. It's actually trickling down to the streets and we're seeing that reflected in the way that young men are dressing in this country and globally. Absolutely. And there are just way more options as well, which I think is really exciting. Like, and I really like the mashup of the ASAPs with the Dior's or the JW Ensons or those types of mashups I think are really great. And it seems like nothing is off limits. No. I mean, it can be as glittery and as shimmery and as encrusted as possible. It can be embroidered to an inch of its life. I mean, everything really is fear game in this current art of dressing for this community. And that's what's so exciting about it. And for me, I'm feeling that it'll usher in, it is ushering another era of maybe the parliaments of the 70s when they were charting a course of this almost phantasmagoric dressing that they landed from some other space and this is what performing is about and this is what expression's about. I think it may usher in another age of such. I absolutely agree and I think the expression, I think 
you touched on it really because it really is a higher form of expression and I think how that manifests sartorially is really what they're really experimenting with. One of the other creatives that I was thinking of, you know, not necessarily related is Ib Kamara. And Abraham taking cues, Kamara? Yeah, taking okay. cues from that. Like, it's magic. Well, do you think that there is a, a new braveness that has found itself with this community? You mentioned something earlier in the discussion about the gender bending thing. And let's touch on that. Because part of this expression right now is that it doesn't necessarily have a traditional masculine feel to it. It feels very colorful, euphemistically and literally. There's a real creativity to it that does not necessarily adhere to these masculine codes. And I find that to be incredibly refreshing, loosening, and there's a certain freedom that that brings with it as well. I hope that attitude, I've already seen that attitude, in fact, that's already trickled down to the streets in some ways that I'm just like, really? Are you boys all wearing leggings? And are all your bum cracks showing? It's gone to that extent where certain things that you would never think a straight man would be very comfortable with the painted on pants and their bums or whatever else showing, that has been a part of it. But that's also exciting. It means that the man has more options in how he can express himself to the world. I also think that that's why probably attribute it to a younger generation because if you look at the braveness that's happening sartorially and the idea of being fluid and men's clothes as women's clothes and women's clothes as men's clothes and like being able to cherry pick certain items from both and like customize it yourself like it feels very young and of the moment of like what's happening on today's youth culture and I feel like it's kind of trickled upwards in that sense yeah there's just like a freedom of expression Maybe what I'm also holding on to is the fact that it is a transition for a lot of the artists that you're mentioning, like the Kanye's and the Pharrell's. Like, they weren't starting out pushing those boundaries. Like, it was all quite traditional. And so I think maybe seeing that transition over time is what's making me feel like they're kind of taking elements from what they're seeing when they travel to, like, pockets of Africa and, like, pockets of India and, you know, other parts of America where they're just, like... These kids are like... But I think that they made a concerted effort at a time, and this was before this era that we're speaking about, they made a concerted effort at a time to really embrace fashion, particularly in Paris. As we recall, both of those guys spend time in Paris, and it's almost as though that when they went to finishing school there. You know, they went to Paris to get schooled in the art of high fashion. And yeah, and they almost came back, started out, and spewing off the Balmains of the world, and the Chanel's, and you know, that's when those names sort of started coming from this crop of artists and so I do feel that they put themselves out on a limb at some point and it worked for them and it continued to work for them and now yes they're in the mix of the other artists who are expressive but I do think that they occupied an early lane Mm -hmm. now a little departure from what we've been speaking about but my question is and excuse me if I've missed this expose or this editorial but Where is this Vanity Fair story highlighting these hip-hop artists who are so changing the game? The minute when I was thinking about this subject for a discussion, I was just like, this is a straight-up Vanity Fair story. It is. I mean, I don't read Vanity Fair, so that's not the first thing that came to my mind. Okay, well, I do read Vanity Fair. Do yourself a favor. It's the best airport airplane read. It's the best one you'll ever find. But to me, this is a cultural, a fashion story, and a hugely important one. Please, I see those 
colorful personalities decorating those pages. And I see this story, I see this as an important story to tell. It needs to be Which pictorial. is probably maybe why Vanity Fair isn't covering it. Like, I think if you look at other platforms, was that like a major dip? No, yes. <laughs> Just say it. You stated it, of course. <laughs> but I do feel like there are other outlets that, you know, maybe not talking about that specifically, but I've kind of fallen out of love with magazines. I used to be obsessed and collect and buy all the time. And now I am increasingly buying less and less. But one of the last issues that I bought that I was literally salivating over the cover story was dazed okay. when they did the cover story in Ashton Saunders right after Moonlight came out. Mm-hmm. Like that was an editorial that was pure magic. And I think that that is also a big part of the aesthetic that we're talking about. Like I think that hip hop specifically, what's really interesting is I think they're just pulling from so many non-traditional references. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is like just part of that overall narrative, just where they're pulling these sources from. Okay, understandable. I still think that there should be a Vanity Fair story. (laughs) However, I think that would give a certain credibility. And the reason why I mentioned Vanity Fair is that I'm a 30-year reader of the publication. I understand. I follow those times when it groups tribes, you know, whether it be Hollywood or music or technology. It's just a publication that has just historically been very good at identifying those movements and including the players that are relevant to that movement and giving them an amazing pictorial to support that. As I said, I just felt that it would make a fantastic spread in that story. An extension of the story as well, uh, Henrietta, is that I think these talents have definitely impacted what happens on the street and what happens in stores. Because I have to tell you, when I go to a Dover Street Market now, when I go to a Bergdorf Goodman Men that I happen to have been at earlier today, I was actually a little shocked to see all of those brown boys. And actually there was about 10 brown boys in my immediate eyesight. They were looking at Kith. They were looking at Balmain. They were looking at, I wasn't immediately sure the other brands in eyesight, but they were there and they were consuming those high-end brand at Bergdorf Goodman. And I've seen them. When I go to, to Dover Street Market, sometimes I'm like, but wait a minute, this is an Asian and a black story. I find the influence to be sort of really evident. Also, I guess the retailers and those brands also adopted them. So even that crossover, I think, is a story in and of itself. But I genuinely feel like hip-hop has always been the arbiters of taste. Taste. They've been those tastemakers. So I don't see it as being anything new. What I do find interesting is how the aesthetic and the sartorial choices have morphed into something that feels super, super progressive. Brave is probably the wrong word, but something that feels... There's a showmanship to it. Yes. There is a vulnerability to it. Yes. And there's a softening to it. All of these things that you wouldn't typically associate with hip-hop. So even when you had all of those kind of big moments in hip-hop affecting and influencing fashion, it was still steeped in this masculinity from the baggy jeans to the quote-unquote hood life, right through to, you know, the preppy wearing the polo shirts, right through to the tailored suits of the diddies. It was so steeped in your traditional idea and ideals of masculinity, whereas... I think a lot of that has gone out of the window. Yes. And I think that's really what, for me, timestamps this moment here as being something that's truly, truly interesting. And yes. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) I think that we hit the key points of this discussion. Anything to add to this, Henrietta? (laughs) No, I will continue watching. (laughs) Very good. 
And that is it for this podcast. Bye.